Welcome back to the next episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. Episode 23, where we got the green light to interview Indy car racer Charlie Kimball. Not only is Charlie an Indy car driver, he is a he's a newly married man mm-hmm. and um, is also a do-it-yourselfer. Yes, these are all uh, questions and answers that Amber uh, <laughs> asked Charlie just a couple minutes ago. And I'm glad you asked him about it because, you know, I mean... We want the real life. Because do-it-yourselfing also requires blood sugar management. Oh, yeah. It's very important. Yeah, and Charlie currently is sitting at number 10 in the IndyCar rankings. That's a huge deal. Huge deal. I mean, and he used to race Formula One, uh, Formula One over in Europe for a while. I think that was a decade or so ago. I mean, the dude has done some serious racing. Was diagnosed at 22. Right. So he's had diabetes at just at, uh, I think, eight years now. Maybe this October. And um, He's an expert. He's a professional person with diabetes. No doubt. He's also the first real um, person with type 1 diabetes to be an IndyCar driver. And he well, explains the backstory of that. Yeah. A, he, a really unique oh, story there. So cool. We've, I mean, it really, it sounds like to me, I don't know, but it seems like the CGM has had a huge part to do with making that feasible for people. Technology has definitely been have made an impact on the, on the race car industry as a whole. And, and so we might as well describe his race team and um, and who, who he's working with. He's worked with Nova Nordisk. He drives the Traceba car. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it's car number 42 currently, mm-hmm. which my name was on the car. I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, in the last race, which I cannot think of where it was, but... It was nice to... My name actually went across the finish line. Woo! Okay, you also met Charlie personally in Phoenix at the Nova Nordisk Summit. That's correct. Some, yeah, yeah. That was my first IndyCar race, and um, it was we got it was incredible access to the back end of what a race is like and what it's like for someone with diabetes to go into such an eventful weekend. Uh, what he does on a daily basis to be able to get in that race car and hearing him describe it, like a mechanic and the kind of preparation that he has to do to make his body, the race car, work. I mean, it was it was just really cool to hear how somebody who is highly successful truly breaks down a day in the disease. And he's done everything he can to make it happen. He has no room for error. And, and, he, and I just, I loved hearing from him. I think I, I thought it was motivating. But he did a great job and he was very authentic in how he spoke to us about the preparation. Even if you're not a car fan, you, you can relate if you have diabetes because everything that he goes he does prior to and after even i mean he's he's really on top of his diabetes and he's um oh what is the word a role model straight up role model oh no doubt so he's uh yeah i, I think he's just a, an enjoyable listen yep he's you, not afraid to crack a joke <laughs> we uh we hope you enjoy the show we do we hope you enjoy but before we get to the show we have a few announcements these are little things these are housekeeping things um that have to do with the normal Amazon plug. If you happen to use Amazon, um, if you would bookmark the link that leaves our website, diabetesdailygrind.com, there's a little banner on the right side. Click on that before you go to Amazon. Once that link shows up, our code is automatically in that link. You just go ahead and put that in your bookmarks. Then anything you buy from there, doesn't matter what it is, we receive a little bit of a commission back, and then that helps us continue to pay Jonathan, our audio engineer, help us continue interviewing guys like Charlie Kimball, and we can uh, continue putting out episodes because we love doing this. I mean, it is just fun. Let's let's throw into iTunes review. People, we love hearing from you. This keeps our... The fuel going. I mean, you're the fuel to the podcast, and hearing the good and bad, and what you what you hear from us uh, makes us happy. So, and plus, we want to see diabetes grind T-shirts 
around the globe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is something we want to push, and we want to help you guys out. It's a reward, too. And we just had our biggest month ever oh, in regards yeah. to podcast downloads. I mean, this is our biggest month ever. Thank you for joining iTunes, clicking on the podcast, sharing with your friends. Every bit of that that helps and gain helps us gain a little bit more traction and and future podcasts. Oh, it does. It's it's yeah. We are indebted. So thank you for everybody who keeps sh- uh, sharing the show. Yes, big deal. Thank you. Well, Charlie, I want to start off by saying um, I met you. I was lucky enough to. uh, My name is Amber, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Fightmaster. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Ryan. um, I was lucky enough to score that opportunity to see you race for the first time, uh, my first IndyCar race um, in Phoenix. And so um, thank you for giving us great access, or Novo gave us great access to the background and how how your crew totally works and it was eye-opening and exciting to see so thank you for that opportunity oh you're welcome you're welcome phoenix was uh was fun it was a pretty brutal racetrack it, it's fast and we were before you got on the line we were talking about different racetracks and uh i think detroit's probably one of the most vicious ones where we just came from because it's so rough and with a double header but phoenix was one of those ones you really have to be paying attention because it was so fast and so short. Well, and you, I, if I recall, and granted that the whole day was a whirlwind, did you hit another car or do something? You, you were able to recover and not actually get into an, a serious accident, but I know it slowed you down. Yeah, a bit. yeah, we did. We did have contact and got a penalty and had a drive-through pit <laughs> lane, and we ended up recovering. I think to finishing twelfth, so it was. Not a great day, but still, we were pretty quick and able to come through like that was uh, was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was a great it was a great race, I'm, and it was exciting to see. And I have to say, and we'll go into more probably non traditional questions after this. But one the I know that we were running behind that day, and so we didn't get a lot of face time with you. But I think the one question I asked you right off the bat um, during the tour was, what was what is your goal blood sugar going into a race like that? Well, ideally, I aim to start between 150 and 175, nice. um, which is, I mean, obviously higher than I'd like to see on a normal day, higher than, than I aim for when I'm in the office or traveling or in the gym. But <laughs> right. it gives me a range to climb uh, before I see any vision or concentration issues kind of above 200, 225. And I right. definitely don't like to be any lower than, than 120 or 110 in the car. Um, even though I have orange juice mounted in a drink bottle in the car that I can get mm-hmm. during the race, I, I don't want to have to be thinking about that and distracted from the job at hand. Well, whenever you're running marathons, it, to me, it always seems like if if you need the orange juice, it's already too late. <laughs> right. right. And, and and that's, it's got to be that my, same way for you. Yeah, that, that was a little bit of my thought process with where uh, Dr. Peters, my endocrinologist, and I, we've kind of narrowed that window down and ideally I just try and stay even keeled. I try and stay within that range and stay flat. Um, Like race two on Sunday at Detroit, I started a little higher, but as I came down to about 160 under the the yellow flags when we were running around slowly, 
I was able to get some of that orange juice and stay in that 160 to 180 range kind of through the rest of the race. Um, so as you say, if, if you need it, it's too late. So I try and be proactive about uh, doing a little bit of reasoning and calculation during the race to make sure that I'm staying on top of it. Well, just out of curiosity, when um, I know that your sensor is on your, I guess, dashboard, I'm not sure what you call it, but um, does your crew tell you when you need to switch to orange juice or are you on top of it? Um, they have the option to. It's something that <laughs> I've educated them a lot about my diabetes and, and my blood sugars and, and what I like right. to see and what I, I like it to do during the race. But inevitably, uh, it kind of comes down to my own understanding because I mean, you guys know you can look at a blood sugar and instantly you, you do the calculations in your head and go, okay, you know, I'm good or I need some orange juice or I need some insulin right. or, right. you know, and it's you, you habitually having, you know, lived with it every day for me for the last eight and a half years. When I see that number, I've already done the, okay, where am I in the race? How much longer do I have? How much have I fallen? How much have I climbed? What, you know, what adjustments do I need to make an adjustment? You know, it, mm -hmm. it's as much, I look down and, and look at the fuel count. And so one of the numbers on my dash is, is called fuel count. And that's a count up based on the amount of fuel burn. So I know mm -hmm. when, since the last pit stop, when they filled the, the fuel tank up with 18 and a half gallons, if I look down and that number's nine or 10, I know I'm about halfway through the stint. I'm about halfway through the life of the tires, halfway through the, the fuel tank. So when I look down and look at my blood sugar, and it's you know 170, and I started at 180, and we're halfway through the race, I feel pretty good about that. You know, right. I, it's like right. okay, I don't need to do any anything. I don't need to to make any adjustments. Where the team who who looks at that number and knows that number doesn't know my understanding of it doesn't have that kind of instinctual reaction yep. to a number and be like, yeah, I'm good. Well, and I was reading something and I, your pit crew, uh, the guy who changes, I guess your front tire or front tires has a pin and should your blood sugar be too high, then he has the option to give you a, an injection. And, and reading that, it's like, you have eight seconds to do all of that. I'm like, it takes more than 10 seconds just to dial up the insulin and find a place. So has he ever had to do that? And uh, <laughs> were you scared? <laughs> so the answer is no. I, I've never never needed the insulin during a race. Um, the, I mean, for me, the range that I've run in consistently during races has meant that I don't need the insulin. Um, and the idea would be that it would be a big deficit during a pit stop for him It'd be my inside front tire changer, who's my crew chief, Ricky, would change the front tire, take his glove off, grab the syringe, reach into the <laughs> cockpit, and give me an injection. Well, to me, you know, doing all of that, we would be waiting on that injection. So it would have to be a situation where if I didn't get that injection, I would be stopping anyways. Um, right. And when you talk about the range of changes or the range of blood sugars, I've never, never been close to that point where uh, I would need that to keep going. But right. we like to prepare for all eventualities. Oh, for sure. 
I feel like the the CGM now would have to be of you know supreme importance uh, in comparison to what you used to do say five years ago. I mean, the, the CGM has got to be a huge part of your your race day routine. It, it is. I mean, I haven't. I have never raced a car without a CGM in it. So oh, wow. even when I was okay. first diagnosed, um, what eight eight just over eight years ago on October sixteenth of two thousand and seven, my first race six months after I was diagnosed, I was wearing a CGM, and and we had it just velcroed to the steering wheel. Uh, wow. and, and I think, I know, high-tech science, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it works. Uh, and as as the technology has gotten better, and, and I think the sensing technology has gotten better and better, uh, it, and we figured out how to get it integrated with the car's data systems. Now not only can I see it on my, my dash and my steering wheel, but also the pit crew and my engineers can see it on the timing stand. Um, I've been able to, to trust it more because originally – my first couple of years, Dr. Peters said, you know, we just want you to start above 200 because right. if you're above 200, you're not, the likelihood that you're going to, the sugar's going to fall through the floor and you're going to end up hypoglycemic and causing an accident is really low. Yes, you may bigger not margin be. Bigger margin Sorry, what was that? I said a, probably just a bigger margin for error that way. Right, exactly. But at the same time, it was less competitive. I, it, for me, as an athlete, I didn't feel as strong or as competitive at that blood sugar versus 150 to 170. So right. as I can trust the sensing technology more, as I can trust the influence more, as, frankly, I've just developed the experience and worked with Dr. Peters and and even worked with exercise physiologists at Texas A&M and Michigan State, I've been able to get a better understanding of my physiology as an athlete and how my diabetes and, and my blood glucose plays into that. So they're all, all tools that are part of my toolbox, so to speak, of how I manage my body before the race, during the race, and after the race. Well, I have a question. When you were diagnosed, because you were already racing, and I'm just going to reference this with my personal experience is that when I got my driver's license, mind you, this was a very long time ago, I remember going to get the test and they were like, well, you have diabetes unless we, you can't get your license today without a letter from your endocrinologist stating that you're in good enough health to be able to drive. And so I was curious as being in, you know, in what you do, do you do they have other, I'm not going to say regulations, but... IndyCar. Yeah. Does IndyCar have any regulations that you had to had to pass or any physical exams? Well, every year, all of the drivers go through a full physical with IndyCar Medical. It's everything from blood work to eyesight, hearing, reactions, a full EKG, um, along with their controlled substance drug testing. Like the whole, it's a whole body workup. Um to make sure that you're healthy enough to be able to compete. And when I went in for my first IndyCar medical, I was getting ready to race in Indy Lights, and I went in loaded, loaded the bear. I had food logs, I had blood sugar graphs, I had blood sugar logs. You know, I had, as an engineer's son, I, you know, I had everything, all the data mapped completely out. I had Dr. Peter's number on speed dial, and 
I figured if she'd successfully far- argued in front of the International Olympic Committee, IndyCar Medical wouldn't know what had hit him if I had to call her. Uh, <laughs> but after talking through it with them, they said, look, you obviously know more about your diabetes than we could ever hope to. And yeah. you're proactive, you're responsible, and your ability to manage diabetes in the car with the sensing technology and the drink bottle and the fact that you, you know, you're not wearing a pump, but you're on injections and you know how to manage those injections to get mm-hmm. you ready to get in the car means that we have every confidence that you're as safe and as healthy as any other driver out there. Um, and so in the, you know, this is now my sixth season in IndyCar and in the, the five previous years, I've worked with them and we're starting to build a, a protocol um, of requirements and guidance for the next generation of driver with diabetes so that they can, they can benefit from my experience and, you know, not, not, not so much my trial and error, but all the things that I've done to be ahead of it and make sure that it, it doesn't have any impact on what I do in the race car so that the next generation doesn't have to relearn and reinvent the wheel, so to speak. That's amazing, man, because, you know, from what I could see, you were the first one to break the barrier technically and become a type 1 diabetes driver in IndyCar. And to build that in for them, that's that's a huge deal because I imagine the barriers are pretty big, you know, given you were the, the first person with type 1 to drive. Yes, yeah, the first licensed driver. There was so the, the story of <laughs> the Indy 500 was that, you know, back in, I want to say sometime in the 1950s, Fifties, maybe. Um, there was you know, a. You know, Charlie. Uh, I was. Yep. I, I actually read about this. You know, whenever I was yeah. looking looking up uh, your story, and it, it appears this might have been like the nineteen thirties. Or yeah, was it right. around then? Yep. Oh yeah, it had to have been. Yeah. Man. But yeah, go ahead. Please the, tell us. This story. is all we yeah. know. We, the, yeah. <laughs> please tell us the story. Well, so from what I understand from Donald Davidson, the the five hundred historian, was that there's this driver and. It, I want to say it was Howdy Wilcox Jr., I think, uh, or Howdy Wilcox second. There, and there were, like, like two different Wilcox families. But anyways, um, <laughs> he was, hadn't told anyone he had diabetes, and he was managing it, and he was okay. He'd gotten diagnosed with type 1 and was on some one of the, like, first iterations of insulin to manage it and was sitting around in the pit, pits during a week of practice and uh, had a hypoglycemic event, and someone, one of the officials saw and said that they weren't going to let him race, and all the other drivers created a petition saying that they weren't going to race unless they let Howdy race because he was wow. really popular within the paddock. And he stood up and said, you know, the 500 is more important than just me, and blah, blah, blah. And so the race went on as planned without him in it. And wow. so to be able to, to go to IndyCar now and say, okay, this is how we do it, and this is how far the technology's come in the 70 years, you know, 80 years since the last time um, IndyCar Medical or, or the Indianapolis 500 dealt with this issue uh, was pretty cool. It was really cool, actually. Absolutely. My goodness. Well, I want to switch gears just a little bit because you everybody can read about your – 
your journey um, because you are you've done so many interviews and it's wonderful how well you've you've shared your story. But I guess a little bit about your personal life. Um, so we read you're recently married yep, to a maybe a, a high ago. school friend. Okay. Um, so how is life? I mean, how does your well? I'm going to say, how does your wife deal? With you and your diabetes, and I say that in any dating relationship, I mean, when you have a hypo or your blood sugar is too high and you act angry, I mean, what type of dialogue do you have with your wife when it comes to your diabetes? Well, she's as much a part of my diabetes management as I am because she's there with me, you know, every meal, every (laughs) every time of day uh, when I'm actively managing it. And, Mm -hmm. And a lot of times she's a voice of reason or an additional <laughs> voice of perspective. Um, maybe right. that's the better way to put it because if, if I'm fighting, you know, consistent a couple of days high and, and it's getting me frustrated and the more frustrated I get, the more, you know, anxious I am. So then the higher my blood sugar is and, and it creates this spiral. And a lot of times mm-hmm. it will take her voice of reason to sort of come in and say, well, are you sick? Are, you know, are you feeling under the weather? Is, do you think that's part of it? Is it this? Is it that? And so having her there as an outside, almost outside voice, a voice that I completely and 100% trust, but at the same time can give me a perspective that is, allows me to, I don't know, take a breath and relax a little bit about it uh, is, is very helpful. And and having a partner like that to me is really key. Is there anyone in your pit crew that can also recognize and and maybe say, Hey, Hey Charlie, um, have you touched your blood sugar lately? Is there, is there anybody around that has that kind of relationship with you? Um, I think, well, I would say that that a few of my mechanics definitely have that relationship. I don't know if they are, (laughs) in tune enough um, because at the racetrack I'm so focused on making sure that my body is prepared just like mechanics spend hours and hours and hours to make sure that the car is built the way it's supposed to be the the time and effort I put in to make sure that, that my body and my diabetes is managed well enough means that I don't typically deal with those issues at the racetrack um, so there, there are a, a few of my mechanics that I'm really, really good friends with, and well, most of them. I mean, they're they're like family to me. Um, uh, but I'm not sure that cool. they would be able to recognize uh, symptoms because at the racetrack, I I'm so focused on it, and I have the luxury to be able to really focus on it that I don't I don't ever have the opportunity to I don't know show show them some of the challenges of diabetes. Sounds like a good thing. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, it is. And and uh, a couple of the friends, I mean, we spend a lot of time together when when it's during the off-season. We have a little downtime, and, and they, they see it a little bit more there and kind of understand how hard I actually work at the racetrack so that they don't see that. Well, when you say, you know, your downtime and you're hanging out with your friends, what do you guys like to do? Do you barbecue, drink beer? What's your What's your kind of downtime? So, I, well, there are a couple of things I really like to do in the off season during the winters. Um, well, fall and winter, I really enjoy doing DIY projects. Um, so I built <laughs> I built a like a stone 
raised planter bed, a couple of them, um, for the house last year. So we've got a garden growing with tomatoes and eating salsa garden and and then for like relaxation during the winter, being from California, I miss the water. I miss the Pacific mm-hmm. Ocean and, and that was always my getaway is I used to, to, you know, turn my phone off, leave my phone in the car, get on my surfboard and paddle out. And, and I'm not a great surfer, but I had the chance to go, you know, totally disconnect and sit out in the water. So now um, I have a boat here in Indiana and we go to one of the many lakes. And usually during the summer, we'll go houseboating for five or six days with a bunch of our friends. And, and I love just, I love being outside. I love enjoying the sun. I love being on the water and, and just being in the water, listening to music and hanging out. Kind of everything's a little slower pace when right. uh, I get the chance to relax compared to when when it's during the season and everything's at such a breakneck speed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're what, with you. Well, and just because we're, uh, well, the fall will be hopefully coming a little sooner than later. What are your DIY projects um, for this year? Do you have any, does your wife have any uh, checklist? I don't know. Um, I haven't quite figured out what I'm going to do. I just, like, over the last couple of weeks, um, so my typical Monday after a race weekend is I'll sleep in as long as I can. I'll get up uh, whenever I feel like it, get some breakfast. Usually it's a two or three cup of coffee kind of morning. Um <laughs> because I'm so tired from the race weekend. And then uh, do my race report, do a load of laundry, that sort of stuff. Glamorous, I know. And then uh, <laughs> in in the afternoon, especially like the last two weeks here in Indiana, the weather's been so nice and so warm that uh, our, our fence around our backyard needed power washing. So I spent a couple hours yesterday afternoon power washing that. And uh, it just feels good to be outside and you know, doing something I want to do rather than something I have to do. Um, and so that was that was a big project. And, like, last fall, we put an outdoor kitchen in. I, I didn't put the outdoor kitchen in. We had uh, professionals do that. But we uh, got a big green egg. So I'm hoping that DIY projects this winter will be, like, figuring out how to slow smoke a brisket and, oh, and some, nice. some good tailgating foods for cold season. Uh. <laughs> well, we may need to have a photograph of your um, the rock beds you put in to put in our show notes because you are a real person. We want to see that you can do other things besides dominate a race. No doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, I'll shoot a photo over to Jackie and she can get it to you because it, uh, it, it was problematic. I have to admit, I uh, had to figure out how to glue it all together and, you know, use rebar to keep it together. But I think it turned out really nicely. Uh, my wife helped me help do the design side as far as the colors of the brick <laughs> to match, uh, match the house. But we've got a really, we live right downtown in Indianapolis, but we've got a nice backyard for our dogs to run in. We've got a Husky and a 12 year old Husky and a four year old lab. So the two big dogs that we like to take out on the boat with us and just enjoy time with them. However, do they, we can. do they swim? Uh, so, so you think you a Labrador loves the water. Um, <laughs> she's a little afraid of splashing, so I'm not exactly sure what we got her as a rescue. Both both dogs are rescue dogs, um, but 
Taj, the hu- our husky, he'll he'll wade in until like the bottom of his chest, and that's and he's good with that. Um, but Lila, our lab, is is starting to figure out the like wading into the water and swimming a little more. So hopefully, <laughs> I, I know once she realizes how much fun swimming is, we'll never be able to get her out of the water. But she's uh, she's still figuring it out a little bit. It takes time. Hey guys, this is this is Ken. We'll just do one more quick question and then we'll jump off the call. That's all right. Yeah, absolutely. We know that you guys are on a firm. Um, so one last question, Ryan. What do we got? One last question. All right, I got one for you, Charlie. Um, yep. What is your this is this is something I don't think we think about very often. What's your favorite aspect of actually having diabetes? Mm, favorite. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Okay, so let me just make sure I understand the question. What's my favorite? side effects of actually having diabetes? Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. You know, thinking about it from a different Um, angle. So I think the best part about having diabetes is is the people that have it as well. It's the Mm. community. Um, Absolutely. The experiences I've I've gotten to have, the the people I've gotten to meet, all of the, the different stories and all the different... Inspirations and and personalities from Connor in Milwaukee to Luke in California Mm -hmm. um, to Michael in California to Zach out of Fort Wayne. All of these people, Olivia in Detroit, all these different people that I get to see at the racetrack or interact with me through Facebook and Twitter. It's, I mean, I feel so much bigger that I'm a part of something so much bigger than just me and a race team. Um, and, and on a day when things don't go well, that is so valuable to me. You know, the ability to, to tell my story and hear other people's stories really gives me balance in the race car. Um, That's very, for example, very last well year in Ohio, I had a, a, you know, I really enjoyed Mid Ohio. I won there three years ago and we qualified well. And then early in the race, Someone hit me and cut my tire, and, and the day kind of went downhill from there. And I got out of the car, and I was, frankly, despondent. I mean, it was a terrible day at the office. And and Zach comes up to me after the race, and he goes, Oh, you were so fast. Sorry, that guy ran into you. How was your blood sugar? <laughs> and, and the fact that, you know, he'd understood everything I'd gone through, and he'd seen that the race wasn't great, and yet, his connection to me was about my diabetes, my blood sugar management, and, and how how that was going to help him do what he wanted to do in life. And, and mm-hmm. that really made me stop and go, oh, okay, this is bigger than just where I finish in the race. Yeah. The diabetes online community is, is, is if you, if, well, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a part of it, but incredibly valuable at whatever age and whatever time you're diagnosed because you join a club that you didn't sign up for, but you have more support than you could ever imagine. Hands down. Exactly. That's, that's so, a great way to say it. You know, join a club you, you didn't sign up for and yet you're really glad to be a member of it. You're, it's one hell of a hazing going in. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, we, we really appreciate you taking the time um, to speak with us. And I know you've got a race coming up, I think this weekend in Fort Worth. Uh, yep. Yeah, we go down to Texas. I got home Sunday night from Detroit, and I go down, what's today, Tuesday? I go down Thursday morning. So, Prepare um, yourself. It's going to be hot. 
Texas it, is hot. It is. And although not as hot as years past. I think it's only supposed to be up to like 92, 93. So oh, really? years past has been triple digits. So I'll take, right. I'll take low 90s. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. Take that. Yep. Well, best of luck this weekend. And um, and again, thank you for sharing your story with us. We'll be rooting for you. My pleasure. Thanks, Charlie. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you, everyone. <clears throat> Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. In the months. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let's see that again. In the months since the last iTunes review, okay, maybe, months, maybe weeks, seriously, months, um, I've been roaming the streets, and we've even thre- we've threatened to pay, threatened to pay people. That's even worse. Right, we we've threatened to pay, which is yeah. But but finally, whenever somebody finally left us an iTunes review, it was like a little Batman sign went up in the air. I was like, oh, I can return back to my real life. So thank you to T1D Jenny from the block. <laughs> How to throw it in. Jenny from the block. From the block was not in the name. Yeah. I just want that. But it, it sounds better. Yeah. I think it sounds good. All right. Here's a review. I love this review. As a chick with diabetes from the West Coast. <laughs> I just put that like from the block or something in there. <laughs> I was. I will also say cheers to the highs and lows. Uh, just use the Amazon link to buy some stuff for the house. Hope it keeps the episodes coming. Yay. Man. Yeah. We, 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 and we, need we, to, we need to meet up with this person. We do. And we, we owe them... Some of our own household supplies that have been bought from Amazon. Photos of you. <laughs> um, yeah, and we may or may not release what you purchased. <laughs> don't buy anything embarrassing. Just kidding. We don't really know. No, we don't. We purposefully do not look at the items. Yeah, yeah that's not, it's Just not, not a thing we like to do. Not, not a fun experience. And, and plus, we can't tell who bought them anyway. Yeah. It's not like we have that information. But thank you so much for Big thanks. listening to the podcast. A, B... Hearing our plug for a little bit of Amazon and and helping us keep grinding. Yep. T1D, Jenny, all you have to do now is shoot us an email to info at diabetesdailygrind.com and we will send you our address or you can send us your address and we'll send you a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> with along with uh, some of Amber's shoes. <laughs> yeah. I've got too many. Yeah. There's a few too many. Okay. That, that is a wrap on another great episode. Big thanks to... Uh, the people over at Novo. Yeah. Uh, the big thanks to Charlie Kimball. And his team for making it happen. For making it happen for us. It was a great time. We look forward to watching the race this weekend. He's about to race in Fort Worth. Uh, correct? Yeah. yeah Texas yeah, Motor weekend. Speedway. That's, it, that's a close race for us. And stay tuned. I, I might actually be in Dallas this weekend. Actually. Oh, you would. You should. Wow. Mm. I bet they would. Um, mm. Mm. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah and uh, mm. stay tuned. We've got a lot a really exciting episodes coming up. So if you are not do, already, do you want to give a preview for the next two? Should we? Yeah, just a little sneak sneak peek. Okay, yeah. If you if you listen to this point, um, Ryan, go ahead and plug the hot, the hot tub. Okay, we're doing the first ever live hot tub experiment where we actually see what happens to our blood sugar live during a podcast. Straight up science project. When Amber and I are in the hot tub, we will have we will have low blood sugar correction supplies around. We've Should got be. all kinds of fun stuff on that one. Yeah, we're treating this like a legit experiment, but also having Kinda. fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. As much as possible. Randomized control. While sitting in the hot tub, how bad can it get there? Okay, it, and then the next episode. You got, the you next one, them. this is epic. Epic for me because I love this family and I feel like I'm already a part of it. So we get to She's interview... Not, <laughs> I'm a secret stalker. <laughs> um, Rev Run and his wife, Justine. Now, they're a part of a big campaign called Ask Screen No. 
And it kind of goes with our, our mentality of, uh, ignorance is not bliss. So know your numbers and know if you are subject to getting diabetes. So, no and it helps us continue to build a bridge between people with type one diabetes and people with type two. Absolutely. It's all the same mission. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to talking to them. And- so if you're not already signed up for the iTunes, like they can be downloaded right down. I mean, the second that we release them. So check it out if you're not already there and Ryan, any other ways that they can get direct access? Yes. There's a couple tune in is an amazing app. So Stitcher, um, I think so is, um, pod there's a pod catcher mm, app yeah. out there mm-hmm. um and in itunes the podcast app sometimes the podcast app isn't on your iphone yet so you actually have to go into the app store just type in podcast then download the app search real life diabetes in the podcast app and then it's there and you'll actually it'll just much. show up it's too it just much. shows up well i'm just trying to help and explain <laughs> right. well we uh thanks again for listening thanks everybody and uh to the diabetes life Keep on enjoying those highs and lows. Diabetes is a daily grind and the daily grind. And it grinds and grinds and grinds. Cause I've got more lances than you. Listen, I got more lances than you. Thing called Diamond.